music it's like all exciting and i'm just like so sitting here like hey hey everybody welcome back to worst first um this is a solo episode today because and i look a mess i feel a mess i had a worst first night last night one of the worst nights of my entire life and i only have a few of them um and last night was for sure one of them and it's just such a bummer and i'm so over it And so this episode I want to dedicate to talking about mental health and I want to talk about panic attacks and panic disorder because there's a lot of my listeners that struggle with that. And um, it fucking sucks. It's the worst. And I know there's a lot of, you know, people that don't have panic attacks imagine just like some valley girl being like, oh my God, I'm having a panic attack. Like they didn't have my favorite shirt or something like that. And that's not what it is. It's a real debilitating disorder. Um, There's over 40 million people in the population that have, um, you know, anxiety disorders, but only 15% of them suffer with panic disorder. And I am one of those 15%. Oh, look at me. Um, And it's the worst. It's the absolute worst. I've had it since I was a little girl. And I've talked about this before in another podcast, or not a podcast, on a YouTube video. But I really want to come back to it just because um, I just want to really squash these stigmas behind mental illness because... When you hear the words mental illness, so many people automatically go to like, oh my God, that person's crazy or that person's like, be careful, like that person's weird or whatever. Like there's so much stigma behind someone being mentally ill, but you don't realize that it's, you can be mentally ill and normal. It's not like it makes you some kind of freak or X-Men or anything like that. There are plenty of people in your life, I guarantee, right now that have mental illness, whether it's diagnosed or not diagnosed. And to them, you're, or to, to you, they're probably fine. You're like, oh, yeah, it's, that's just Paul or that's just Betty. But meanwhile, you don't know that Paul suffers with OCD and has to, you know, flick his light switch up and down eight times before he leaves his house. Or Betty, you know, has severe de- depression and crying fits when she's not around you. Like so many people struggle with mental illness. And I am so open about talking about it because I'm so sick of people being shamed for it. I'm so fucking over it. And if people want to shame me for it, go ahead. Go a fucking head because you know what? I'd rather speak my truth and have people know what my real life is like instead of just being some person who, you know, pretends that everything's okay all the time because it's not. That's not true for really anyone. Um, You know, not everyone obviously has a mental disorder, but a lot of people do. And a lot of people struggle a lot. And so last night was one of the worst nights of my entire life. Um, I have a couple things going on. I struggle with a couple things. I have endometriosis. I have polycystic ovaries. Um, I don't really have depression. I'm not sad, but I have panic disorder, which comes to me completely out of nowhere and most people say oh yeah there's like a trigger for it or some people are triggered by certain things but for me 
I could be just, it's usually at night, which is interesting. And it's usually around the time of my ovulation or my period. And I don't know how much, how that's true for many women or how many women that's true for, but I hear a lot of women around the times of their period, obviously have heightened anxiety, heightened stress. And that makes sense with all the hormonal changes that are going on in our body and everything that we're going through you know, it, it can cause you to have panic attacks. It can cause you to have anxiety attacks. So that's totally understandable. It doesn't make you a crazy person. It makes you a real person that's living and breathing and having bodily reactions to changes in your body. So <clears throat> last night I'm sleeping. It's 2.30 in the morning. I just got my period yesterday. Not too much information, I hope. Um, and I get really intense periods. Sometimes I have such debilitating cramps that I can't even move. And then sometimes it's like, oh, wow. But it's always heavy and it's always like, you know, super crazy blood clots, all the good stuff. And um, I'm sleeping. And I had a feeling before I went to bed that I was something was up because something that happens to me when I have a panic attack is I start to disassociate where I... I was walking around um, outside in the backyard letting Nina out to go to the bathroom and I started feeling not real. And I don't know if that happens to any of my listeners, but I'm sure some of you it does. It's called derealization where I was walking around the backyard and I was looking at my hands and I was looking at the trees and I was feeling very small and I started thinking to myself, like, what if this isn't all real? What if I'm not real? Like, what if this is a blah, 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 blah. And I start having these crazy thoughts. I don't want to say crazy because that's part of the stigma. I start having these strange thoughts and I was like, okay, I'm on my period. I'm I'm definitely do this around the time of my period when my hormones are being weird and I'm thinking too much about things. And so I'm just going to put myself to bed. Now, in hindsight, what I should have done was known that this was a precursor for something worse because my brain was going to a bad place and I should have either given myself some CBD, uh, my relaxed CBD that I use, which is Teravita and amazing, or when I know it's going to be really gnarly, then I have to take a five milligram Valium and that usually takes care of it. But instead, I'm always trying to be you know, for some reason, put my body through torture. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to make myself go to sleep. So I was tired. I laid down. I went to sleep. At 2.30 in the morning, I wake up and my heart is pounding out of my chest. And when I say pounding out of my chest, I mean like I can feel my physical heart throbbing against my breastbone it feels like it's actually hitting my breastbone and bouncing back. And I wake up in a panic. I'm sweating. I wasn't having a nightmare or anything, so I don't even know why this is happening other than hormones, period, whatever, mental illness, who knows. I wake up. I'm covered in sweat. I'm, my heart's pounding out of my chest. My husband's fast asleep per usual, like totally unfazed by life. I'm so jealous of him. And... I start doing deep breathing, trying to calm myself down. That's the first thing I do. I have a couple apps. I have one app called 7 Seconds, which is great, and I turn that on. I start trying to breathe to that. And then I have another app called Don't Panic where you breathe to that. But my heart was beating so fast that I couldn't even catch my breath to do slower breathing. I was hyperventilating just. <sighs> and I'm going to show you the video. Um, so if you're on YouTube, you're going to be able to watch this video to see what happens to me. Um. And this is a really personal video and I look horrible and just, but, but I don't care because I think that 
this kind of thing needs to be normalized and needs to be shared because so many people go through this and you are not alone going through this and it's ugly and it's not hot and it's not cute and it's not whatever and who gives a fuck because it's not supposed to be. So here's the video. For those of you that are just listening, it'll be on the YouTube channel. So here's the video. So everyone can see what this is like. I'm having a panic attack right now. My um, pulse rate is like 160. I took a Valium and I'm waiting for it to kick in. So as you can see, my teeth are chattering, I'm shaking, I can't catch my breath, and I had already taken the Valium at that point. That was about like 10 minutes in, okay? Because I know that this happens to me, and I know, okay, you're just going to calm down. Here's where last night was different. I took the Valium, I waited about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and it usually kicks in at about 15 minutes, the Valium, and it wasn't kicking in. And I was waiting and I was waiting and I was waiting. And in the meantime, I took my blood pressure because I'm so here's another thing with people that have panic attacks, panic disorder, health anxiety, which I also have. And I know a lot of my listeners do because you've written to me about it. Health anxiety is when you're constantly worried about your health. You're constantly worried about death and dying, which I am. You're constantly checking. You may make lots of doctor's appointments. You may own a blood pressure cuff, which I do. I own an oximeter, an oximeter, which checks the oxygen in your blood to see how much oxygen you're getting. I have um, a EKG machine that checks my heart rate. That's how so paranoid about my health I am because I don't want to drop dead and so I take my blood pressure cuff my Omron blood pressure cuff that you can use at the doctor's office and I take my blood pressure and I type my blood pressure into my um, app my cardia app which keeps track of your heart rate and it says I'm in a hypertensive crisis and I can post a photo of that as well I'll post it on Instagram actually um, so I'll show you that I was in hypertensive crisis which freaked me out. I was like, oh my God, immediately I'm gonna have a fucking heart attack. Doesn't matter that I'm 33. This is happening. This is real. Then I take a few minutes later, I'm still waiting for this Valium to kick in. It's not kicking in. I can't calm down. I keep trying to deep breath. And then obviously seeing that you're in hypertensive crisis makes your heart rate go up. Probably not. And I'll tell you this later. I learned from the doctor in the ER, like don't check your blood pressure when you're having a panic attack because that'll just make it much worse because obviously it's going to be fucking insane because your heart is going 160 beats per minute, which is what mine was doing. And then because I took the Valium, it was 160 beats per minute. Then I took the Valium and then I was still in hypertensive crisis and it was like my... I'll include a photo of it. It was like 144 over 117 and 43 beats per minute. My heart was just, it couldn't even beat. It was just so fucked up. And I couldn't catch my breath and I'm sweating and I started feeling nauseous. I had diarrhea immediately. And it's just, this is the worst panic attack I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, I think I've had one maybe this bad before, but this one was, this one was when it took the longest for the medicine to work. I've never had the Valium take that long to work. So I'm still waiting for this Valium to kick in. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. It's almost been 30 minutes. I'm starting to feel it a little bit, but at that point, I'm just like, I saw the hypertensive crisis and I was like, fuck it, I'm calling 911. 
I call 911. My husband wakes up. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm having a fucking panic attack. I'm crying. I'm like, actually, no, I don't even think I was crying. I, I don't even remember a lot of this because I almost go into like a state of shock. I'm really upset. I'm freaking out. He's like, calm down, calm down. And he doesn't know really how to handle these things because he's just never had panic attacks. He's a guy who's pretty much done, you know, whatever he's wanted in his whole life and just doesn't have anxiety about anything, which I'm so jealous of his mindset, but that's how he is. I've always been a hypersensitive overthinker, hypochondriac, health anxiety nut. So therefore I make my own situations worse. So I call the, I call an ambulance. I told them, I said, I think I'm just having a panic attack, but it's not like I'm not calming down and I haven't ever had a situation where I haven't calmed down. And then there, I see the lights coming up the driveway and I feel the Valium just starting to kick in and I'm like, oh great, here we go. So the Valium kicked in really strong all of a sudden. I barely remember what happened, but my husband tells me I was asking for water and Gatorade and they took me out front and laid me on the front porch and all my neighbors are there. And I mean, I would say it's embarrassing, but I'm like, this is life. And I, I'm sharing this story because I want anyone else to know that's done this or gone through this, that it's nothing to be embarrassed about. And like, I'd rather call an ambulance and have them tell me I'm fine than not call one and die. So... Not that you, not that anyone dies from a panic attack, apparently, but I don't know. When my heart rate's 160, who fucking knows? So they lay me out on the front porch. There's like obviously like the fucking paramedics are always like the hottest dudes. I'm like, oh great, and my hair is all fucked up, and I have no makeup on, whatever, and I'm basically dying. But like that's how I know I was really sick because I didn't give a fuck. I was like, whatever. So they take an EKG. Um, they take my blood pressure. My blood pressure was still insane. So they were like, her blood pressure is pretty gnarly. We're going to take her to the hospital. Her EKG is fine, though. It's probably just a panic attack, but we're going to take her just in case. So I go in the ambulance to the hospital. I'm fucking totally knocked out from this Valium. They're talking to me. I don't even remember what the fuck they're saying. They stroll me into the hospital and they put me in off to the side and my Valium's already now like almost at 100% where I'm like knocked the fuck out because that's what it does. And that's why I don't always like jump to Valium and why I always am like pushing CBD because if you want something where you can still function, at least for me, I take like the CBD is a lighter version of Valium. Valium's just like, okay, I go, I'm going goodnight. Like I'm not going to have a day. Um, so I'm basically passed out, a really nice nurse and doctor come, they check in on me, they do a chest x-ray, they tell me my heart's fine, that I'm having a panic attack, I already know all this, um, but it's good, you know, I can't say that I regret calling the ambulance because there's a feeling that also comes along with the safety of knowing, like, I'm in a hospital now, they checked everything out, I know I'm okay, and that makes you feel a little bit better as a person that has health anxiety and panic disorder. Because if I had to describe panic disorder, it's different for everyone. But for me, it's a sense of impending doom. As you could see in the video, I shake uncontrollably. My jaw is shaking. My body, my whole body is shaking. I can't, um, my heart is beating so fast and it makes me shake uh, I sometimes throw up or have diarrhea. I just it, I just feel like I'm about to die. My heart is ramped up so hard that I'm about to die. And that's my, me for me, a panic attack. For other people, a panic attack is a feeling of same thing, uneasiness, or they just ha feel like they're going to jump out of their skin. They have Some people have to get up and walk around. They can't sit still. Some people start like crying uncontrollably. It's different for everyone, but 
for everyone, I'm pretty sure it's fair to say it's pure fucking hell. And the worst you've ever felt in your life is what a person feels like when they're having a panic attack. So I'm sitting there in the gurney. I'm like, okay, fuck. My poor husband had a live performance the next day and he was going to have to pick me up from the ER at fucking four o'clock in the morning, but he's so nice to me. And he goes through this with me and he doesn't make me feel bad about it, which is really sweet. Um, not a lot of people are like that. We'll put it this way. Um, but you know, they should be, they should be kind and sweet and gentle with people that are like this because it's not our choice. Okay. It's not a choice that anyone has made to have this. Okay. No one would ever go. Yeah. I want that. That sounds good. Oh, freaking the fuck out for no reason. Yeah. Sign me up. Like no one would do that. So, um, so I'm grateful for my husband. I'm laying there. The doctor comes. He took my blood work. He did the chest x-ray, did another EKG, told me, you know, you're fine. Um, this is what happens with panic attacks. And I told him I know, but I've never had one that was this intense before. At least I hadn't in a really long time. And he was like, okay, well, I'll get you out of here because they had some people that potentially had COVID coming in. So scary. But, um, but yeah, they took really good care of me. And there was a really nice nurse there. And I don't know his name. And this was at West, excuse me, West Hills Hospital. There's a really nice nurse there that I don't know his name. And he's treated me before when I've had ovarian cyst rupture. And he remembered me and he was really sweet. And, um, you know, it's a struggle. They see people come in with this all the time. I mean, all ages, men, women, like people think they're dying and it's the scariest thing on the planet. And a lot of times it's anxiety. And I'm starting to realize that, you know, everyone, you know, says, yeah, take more medicine or push these pills or whatever, or this or that. But like, you have to follow what's good for your body. Okay. A few weeks ago, and I'm just I'm just going to share everything right now. A few weeks ago, I started trying different medications in addition to my Effexor. I take Effexor XR 37.5 milligrams. Now, I used to be on 150 milligrams of Effexor XR. And yes, I did not have panic attacks when I was at that dosage, but I had constant chest pain where it felt like a cramp in my heart in the middle of my chest. And that's because Effexor is a bit of an upper it makes you have um, a faster heart rate. And so it was causing pain for me because whenever my heart beats too fast, I get chest pain for some reason. We haven't figured that out. Um, so I just, I weaned myself down. I did TMS therapy where they hook up um, electric. It's basically magnets. It stands for transcranial magnetic stimulation. If you're interested, it's a medicine free way of treating depression and severe anxiety. And so I did some TMS treatments where they kind of shock your brain with these magnets to try to get down on a lower dosage of Effexor because Effexor is a highly addictive um, antidepressant and the withdrawal of Effexor is insane. Like you basically get so sick. Um, I don't want to compare it to dope sick, but from what I've heard, it, it, people have said it's similar for people that have done dope and been on Effexor. They're like, oh yeah, it was like basically just as bad as getting off fucking heroin. It's horrible. Um, not to deter anyone from taking Effexor because it's helped a lot of people, including me, but if you try to get off of it, it's gnarly. So weaned myself down to 37.5 milligrams of Effexor and the chest pain went away. So that solved one problem, but then the panic attacks came back. So I've been working with my psychiatrist and we started trying to add different things. We tried first Wellbutrin, which made me feel like I was spinning out of fucking control. And then the next we tried was Lexapro. 
And I did not like that. It kept me up. I couldn't sleep. I turned into an insomniac. And then we tried adding Prozac, which I actually liked for a while and did Prozac for like a month. And then one time I was in, I was in, I was on a trip and I just all of a sudden I took the Prozac in the Effexor and just, I guess it was just like too much or something. I don't know. It was only on like 10 milligrams of, of Prozac. And I just started shaking and convulsing and my heart rate was actually super low. So then like I couldn't take a Valium and I was having a panic attack, but my heart rate was so low that I couldn't take a Valium. So I was just st- suffering. And then I was just like, fuck Prozac and got off of it. And then I was back to just the normal Effexor 37.5 and taking um, 5-HTP, 50 milligrams as needed, and that would work out here and there. And I was kind of just experimenting, you know, with myself. I'm obviously with my psychiatrist and being really careful of what I would mix. Obviously, I'm so health conscious. I would never take like a bunch of stuff together that I shouldn't. I always checked with my doctor, like, can I take this? This? Okay, cool. Um, So I was trying a bunch of different things Then I introduced the CBD and I'm kind of like managing, like right on the fine line of being able to not have a panic. I pretty much, I haven't had a panic attack this severe in months. I have them... I think once a year where my body, it just either builds up or it's just the right amount of hormones misfiring and my brain and my period and my ovulation and everything else going on in my life. It just goes boom and explodes. And so I've been maintaining okay on this lower dose of Effexor and CBD and, you know, the Valium as needed. But um, last night just really scared me. And I called my doctor today and I talked to him and he was like, you know, you don't have to go to the emergency room. Just contact me next time. But, you know, doctors aren't really available 24-7. So <sighs> anyway, anyone else who deals with this knows it's a fucking nightmare. And every day you don't know what to expect. I mean, having a mental disorder like panic disorder or anxiety disorder or any disorder, mental disorder, you don't know what you're going to get from day to day. I mean, you can wake up one day and go, wow, I feel fucking great. And then you study everything you did for that past couple of days before to see if you can mimic it. And then the next couple of days later, you feel like shit again. And it just, yeah, I'm basically just saying when you, when you're on Instagram, when you're on social media, when you're you know, idolizing all these people or looking at people and going, oh my God, they have the perfect life. I could never be like them. Uh, You know, everything's great for them. They don't suffer. They don't go through anything like wrong. Okay, wrong. I have a fucking amazing life. I have a great husband. I'm successful. I have a beautiful home. I am clothes on my back. I'm able to help other people. I have wonderful pets. I have everything I could ever possibly want. And yet I still have a mental disorder because all of that shit means nothing. Okay. It means nothing when you're born with a different type of brain you know, or a different type of situation. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you uh, inferior. It doesn't make you uh, pathetic. It doesn't make you any of that. It just happens to be your situation. And a lot of times I like to think that people that have mental illness are a lot stronger than people who don't because they have to go about life like nothing is wrong and function in a society like nothing is wrong when they are struggling like fuck. It's it's one of the hardest things to explain to anyone that's never never suffered with it. And without se- sounding like um, 
an attention seeker or a complainer or ungrateful or whatever. It's like you, if, if you could live a minute within someone's mind who is going through these things, you would jump out of there so quickly. Um, and yes, there's a lot of resources. Um, you know, um, I think it's ADA.org is like the anxiety disorder association of America or it's ADD.org. No, I think it's ADA.org or .com. Um, which has a lot of resources for people struggling with anxiety disorders. And obviously there's like a thousand national helplines and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like living with it every day is really fucking hard. And no matter what medicine cocktail you have or how many psychiatrists you have or how many therapists you have, like it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to be completely 100% cured. No one will say that. Like no one's going to go, I'm, I'm like a thousand percent better. I never have any problems anymore. Like, no, we just do the best that we can. And I want everyone to know that, like, if you feel like you're able to function and enjoy life for the most part, then you're winning, you know, because it's never going to be something where, all of a sudden you take a pill and poof, magically it's all gone. It's not going to be that. I mean, the pills all come with their own side set of side effects and everything has its own side effects and your own reactions to your body. You know, the biggest advice that I can give you is to talk about it, cope, find friends, find people, find a community of other people that are also going through this. Like the reason why I'm so public and outspoken about it is because I don't want anyone to ever feel embarrassed about it. I, so many times, you know, this happens to me and like, you know, my neighbors, I was walking out of my house today and my neighbors were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. You know, um, am I really fine? No, but I didn't want to get into it with Barbara. Um, yeah, but I just want people to know that this is, doesn't make you fucked up. It doesn't make you, um, crazy. It doesn't make you all those shitty fucking words that people use to describe people who are struggling with their brains and bodies. You know, the term illness is, you know, it's just like you have heart disease or you have diabetes. It's a sickness. Okay. It's not something you're going to go, oh, I'm embarrassed about having diabetes. You would never say that. You would never go, I'm embarrassed, I have heart disease. You would never go, I'm embarrassed, I have liver failure. I think the hardest thing about mental illness is that it's, as much as we're so advanced in technology, we're also so not advanced. You know, we've come so far in treating cardiovascular diseases and, um, you know, lung diseases and diabetes and all kinds of things. And when it comes to mental health, it's such an unseen thing that yet has so many physical symptoms and so much physical distress to people that it's so hard to pinpoint because everyone's different. Whereas like a panic attack for me is my heart rate going up to 160, me sweating, me feeling like I'm going to vomit or vomiting, you know, um, feeling like I'm going to die for someone else. It's, you know, clammy hands and they're cold and they're shaking and they're this and they're that. And so it's, it's such a varying scale of person to person and everyone's makeup is different. And so it's a lot harder to treat. It's a lot harder to figure out exactly what someone is going through. But I just wanted to be here to talk about it because I just wanted everyone to know anyone, whether you're going through depression or you have schizophrenia or you have um, bipolar disorder, you have borderline personality disorder, or you have disassociative identity disorder, or you have, you know, anxiety disorder. If you have any of these things, I just want you to know it's okay. It's okay. 
okay. It doesn't make you inferior to anyone. It doesn't make you crazy. It doesn't make you psycho. It doesn't make you any less worthy of love and compassion than anyone else. It doesn't. It doesn't. It just doesn't. You know, you're a human being and it you didn't choose it. It wasn't something that you chose for yourself. No one ever would do that. It's not your fault. So I just wanted to make this podcast dedicated to that. I, I mean, I, I just want people to know that, you know, whereas you can look at things in life and think that everyone is doing so much better than you or that they're, you know, so unfazed or that their life is perfect and it's, you know, it's not that way for everybody. And I know a lot of people only choose to show the highlight reel of their lives, but I want you guys to see everything. I want you to know that this isn't just me, you know, getting a new dress or getting my makeup done or having someone do my hair. Like that's not just my life. My life is so much more complicated than that. And I want people to know that Talking about mental illness and discussing mental illness is not something that anyone should ever feel embarrassed about. You should never let anyone make you feel embarrassed about it. You shouldn't be in a relationship with someone who makes you feel bad for having a mental illness or makes you feel embarrassed or makes you feel that it's your fault in some way. That is not the person for you. If you are in a relationship with someone who is treating you that way, please get out of it. It is not healthy for you. You deserve someone who's going to be understanding. And that's the thing that frustrates me the most is that if you had diabetes and you were having a diabetic attack or about to go into a diabetic coma, no one would make you feel bad about it. But because you're having a panic attack and it's not something that they can just say, oh, I can physically treat it or they don't consider it a sickness that you have to be embarrassed about it. No, it's just as fucking bad. It just sucks just as fucking much. It's horrible. Excuse my language for those of you that are listening that with young people. Um, and it doesn't just affect women. It affects men. It affects, you know, all these things affect Mental illness does not discriminate. You know, you could be any nationality, any race, any gender. It's for everyone, unfortunately. Everyone can suffer in a different way, and that's not your fault. And I never want anyone to feel embarrassed about talking about their feelings. You know, I don't want anyone to ever be shamed like, oh, you're emotional or you're this or that or you need help. Yeah, well, fucking duh. Yeah, well, fucking duh, dude. That's why we're talking about it, because we're trying to help. Never, ever let anyone make you feel bad about it, ever. Please, if that's one thing you take away from this podcast. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back on here and talk to you guys about some of the things I've learned on how to cope with my panic disorder, even though it's still the fucking worst. All right, we'll see you in a sec. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... 
I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, I'm back. Um, I'm just going to drink some water. <sighs> so those of you that are watching and watch that video, you're probably like, why would she post that? Because <laughs> I literally don't care. I want people to know that this isn't something that you need to hide and that's something that you need to be ashamed about. I want everyone to know that struggling is not pretty and it's not, um, you know, something that everyone's going to get to be like, Oh, that's so cool. Or, you know, it's nothing anyone's going to be envious of, but it definitely makes you real, you know? And I want people to know how real people are. And especially me, I want people to realize that, it's not all sunshine and rainbows for anyone. It's not. Um, so here's some of the things that I do to help my panic disorder. Um, obviously today I feel really low. I just kind of like rolled out of bed at like 1 p.m. And I took a really, I took a day for myself. And I want to say to people that have mental health issues that you need to do that. That's important for you. And I don't want you to feel guilty about it, okay? Mental health days are super important for you, okay? Whether you have work or a plan with a friend or something and you need a mental health day, take it. Okay, and don't feel lazy and don't feel bad. You need to take that day and you need to fully invest it in yourself and your mental health and rest. If your body is telling you that you need to rest, you need to rest. You don't need to feel guilty about resting. You don't need to feel guilty about taking a break. You don't need to feel guilty about bailing on a friend. If you feel like you're mentally stressed and need to take a break, please do it. And please do not feel bad about it. If you were sick with anything else, you wouldn't go to work. It's the same thing with your mental health. You need to take care of yourself and your brain, okay? That's just as important as everything else, and I want people to know that. You know, a lot of people beat up on themselves, and it is a cycle of anxiety and depression where they go, oh, I have anxiety and depression because my room's dirty, but I have too much anxiety and depression to clean my room. 
it's sort of a cyclical thing or I have anxiety and depression because I'm heavy, but then I'm so sad that I eat because it's the only thing that makes me feel better. So there's a lot of situations like that. And I just want people to know that it's okay and you can take as many days as you need to rest. The more days you take making yourself feel guilty, the less energy you're going to have to feel better and actually clean your room or actually start being productive in your life. So if you need a mental health day, take the day and promise yourself that you're not going to beat yourself up about it, okay? Lay in bed, sleep till 5 p.m. if you want. Don't get out of your pajamas, eat junk food, do whatever you need to do to make yourself feel rested and refreshed, okay? Do a face mask, do whatever you want. Listen to calming music, meditate, Honestly, just do what you have to do to recharge your soul because you need that and that's important and I want people to stop feeling bad about taking mental health days. People need them. Um, So one of the things that I like to do that helps me um, is meditation. I use the Calm app. This isn't sponsored. Um, There's a lot of great stories on there. There also is a lot of calming sounds. Even if you don't want to buy anything on there, you can download the app and There's rainwater that plays, there's ocean waves, there's things like that. And one of the things that personally helps me is before I go to bed, if I'm noticing I'm having a lot of anxiety, I'll listen to one of the stories or I will just put it on the sort of white noise, which is like the ocean music or a park or whatever the different options are. Excuse me. And I will just have that playing as I go to sleep. And I notice it helps a lot. I don't really have nightmares or panic in the middle of the night when I do that. Um, Am I perfect? Do I remember to do these things every day? No. Another great thing to do, um, I take magnesium glycinate. And obviously, I'm just telling you what I do. This isn't something that, you know, you need to go do all these things. I'm just telling you things that I've taken and that I've tried that have worked for me. And, um, you know, obviously consult with your doctor because I'm not a doctor. Um, Magnesium glycinate has been something that's greatly helped me with my anxiety. I've taken it before bed for a while. Did I take it last night? No. And fucking look what happened to me. I mean, that wasn't the one night I forgot to take it. Sometimes I forget. I'm human. Um, But the nights that I've never had a panic attack, the nights that I have taken magnesium glycinate, it's helped me go to rest. It helps with anxiety. It helps with panic attacks. Um... It really helps your body get a deep rest. Um, What else do I do? I take a D vitamin. D vitamin every day. Very, very important for depression and anxiety. Whether you can get a little bit of sun, obviously wear sunscreen, where you can get a little bit of sun or you can take a D vitamin. Greatly helpful for anxiety and depression. Um, A B6 is great also for energy because Obviously, when you're depressed and you are low or you're just stressed out all the time, anxiety, constant anxiety, you'll notice your friends with constant anxiety will say that they're tired all the time. Well, it's because constantly having ruminating thoughts and constantly thinking about things too much and worrying yourself under uh, water is very exhausting. So B6 vitamin, great for anxiety, um, great for replacing the energy and helping you out. Um, like I said, I have TeraVita Relax CBD, which has ashwagandha root in it, which I take, and it's broad-spectrum CBD. Um, a couple drops under the tongue if I notice I'm starting to be agitated, and it has ashwagandha in it, and ashwagandha root is one of the greatest things for anxiety, even if you just take the ashwagandha root on your own. That's something I've also done. Um, there's another vitamin called GABA which is very calming. I know a lot of people have heard of this, and this is a great anxiety remedy as well. These are all natural, over-the-counter things that I've tried that have helped me. Um, 
and I really need to implement them more because obviously I'm still uh, a mess over here. But for some reason, I'm always just trying to, I'm just always trying to um, grin and bear it. I'm always trying to be like, no, you got this. You're a tough bitch. And then I'm like, ah, my heart's beating out of my chest. Um, Gabba's great. Very calming. Before bed would be Gabba. Um, Kava Kava is another one, which is also great. And don't obviously take all these things together. You want to talk to your doctor and figure out which one's the best for you. Kava Kava, another great one. Um, also very calming and relaxing. Great for anxiety. If you're not on an antidepressant already, St. John's wort has been a really great, um, recommended one to me. I've never taken it St. John's wort because I've always been on an antidepressant and you can't combine um, St. John's work with antidepressants cause it can cause serotonin syndrome, which is when you get too much serotonin and then that turns into another problem, which is pretty hard to get. It's like only if you're taking like a fuck ton of pills, um, which I'm scared of. And I'm pretty sure anyone that has an anxiety disorder is, um, Another great one, like I said, is 5-HTP, a really low dose of 5-HTP, 50 milligrams, especially like weaning down off of Effexor. 5-HTP is like a nature's Prozac. Uh, it's been great for me uh, getting calm and c- kind of balancing that zapping that you get when you're trying to withdraw off of, um, or rather when you're trying to titrate down off of an antidepressant. So those are just a few of the things that have helped me Um, But another thing that really helps is just taking time for yourself, guys. That's like the number one thing. Deep breathing, journaling, meditating, just being calm. Don't put yourself through situations that are going to cause anxiety. I was hanging out with my husband and some of his friends and they were like, let's watch this really scary movie. And I watched it and I was just like, why did I do that to myself? It just gets me so fucking worked up, especially because I'm so sensitive and so emotional that I put myself in the character's shoes and then feel like I went through everything that they did. And then my body freaks the fuck out. Um, Another thing is, is just trying to get yourself calm before you go to sleep. Um, An interesting fact is that your body, when you're dreaming, does not know that your dreams are not real. Okay. That's sort of scary in a way is that everything that happens to you in your dreams, your body sort of um, keeps the score, like thinks that that actually happened to you. So if you're like running from a demon in your dreams, when you wake up the next day to your body, you are actually running from a demon. And so all that, all the physical dreams that you have where you wake up physically exhausted, like your body thinks that you went through that. Your body can't tell the difference of when you're dreaming and when you're awake. Um, so the most important thing you can do for yourself is try to get calm rest before you go to sleep. And I really need to practice what I preach on this one because the number one thing that people tell you to do is put your cell phone down before you go to sleep. Maybe turn on a podcast or read a book an hour before you go to bed, put your phone next to your nightstand and fade out. That's the best thing that you can do. And I need to get better at that. That's something I need to do as well. Uh, dreams are can be really I mean I have nightmares every night and that's part of just I think who I am as a person trauma that I went through when I was younger um anxiety you know everything manifests in different ways and so when I wake up I wake up very tired because I was running in my dreams from a night you know from a a man who was trying to kill me or alligators or snakes or someone choking me or someone dying that I love or whatever. It's always a bad dream. Very rarely a good dream. Um, and so what, and another thing I do, and this is not to like, you know, put religion on anybody is pray. And I pray and I pray to God all the time to take this away from me because my life would be so perfect 
if I didn't have this disorder. I mean, people don't talk about how much panic disorder really affects your life. I mean, before my husband and I travel anywhere, because I have such bad panic disorder and health anxiety, before we go anywhere, I have to Google and make sure that there's a hospital nearby. So it ruins traveling for me because I'm like, oh my God, if there's not a close hospital, then the whole trip I'm anxiety ridden. Like, what if something bad happens? Um, Another thing is, is that I've had panic attacks when I'm driving and then that has made me feel like I don't want to drive anywhere and I will go for like a couple weeks before I drive again, excuse me, or leave my house because I'm afraid that I'm going to have another panic attack and I'm going to be alone and I don't know anybody and I freak out. But the truth is, the best thing you can do, what I've learned in my therapy is it's called exposure therapy. And it fucking sucks, but you have to expose yourself to the situations, okay? So I had panic attacks. I used to have panic attacks all the time when I was driving on the freeway that I would avoid freeways. And I would avoid leaving my house a lot because my house, for some reason, was like my safe haven. Um, And so what I learned was that I needed to force myself, even if it was just driving down the street to the gas station and filling my car up and coming home. Even if it's baby steps, you have to expose yourself. Otherwise, you're letting the anxiety win. You are. You're letting it win. You're letting it control your life. I mean, I just went to St. Bart's with my husband. Everyone's like, oh, my God, why are you tra- traveling during coronavirus? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I mean, we were really safe. But on top of that, every time I get a chance to travel, I go because part of me a big, big part of me is so afraid and doesn't want to, but I force myself to go. I'm afraid of dying in a plane crash. I'm afraid of dying in a place where there's no medic or anyone to help me. I'm afraid of having a panic attack in like a place where there's no hospital where I could get real help if I really needed it. I'm afraid of all those things, but I still force myself to do things. I still force myself. And I have had really bad panic attacks in the middle of fucking Mexico. I had one... On our honeymoon in Cancun, Mexico, I had a horrible panic attack where I thought I was having a uh, kidney failure because it was for some reason a panic attack. I had really bad pain on my right side and I was sweating and I had a fever. I, I just had a UTI, but it was a bad one and I was really sick and then it triggered a panic attack and then I went to a hospital in Mexico and it was just, I was actually really clean, but it just goes to show like, you have to do it. Even even if the bad things do happen, you will get through them, okay, one way or another. And if you don't, guess what? You're going to suffer and then you'll be dead and you won't have to worry about it anymore. And I know that's hard to hear and I try to tell myself that all the time. When I'm having a panic attack, I try to stop myself and go, okay, you know what? Come on, let's fucking do this. Go ahead. You want to beat really fast? So why don't you just make my heart explode? I try to like talk shit to my panic attack and that sometimes helps me. But when it's really gnarly, like it was last night where I'm basically just scared shitless and like 100% positive that I'm going to die, I get kind of weak. But in those moments, if you can get frustrated enough it's like turning that fear into anger is really helpful if you can stop yourself for one second even if you just catch yourself for a second go oh yeah you want to fuck with me okay cool let's make my heart explode let's fucking go dude i'm done i don't want to suffer like this anymore so that can kind of help um i've managed to do that a couple times but 
not often, but it just try it. Try to be, try to look it in the eye, you know? And it's the same thing. Exposure therapy is the same thing with the panic attacks. The more panic attacks you go through, the more panic attacks you make it through, the more times you have a panic attack, you're going to realize, okay, I've been through this before. A, B, and C happens. Sometimes it's a little different like it was last night where, you know, the medicine doesn't work right away or it happens to last a lot longer than you thought it would or you have a new sensation, whether it's like numb feet or tingling or half your face hurts or whatever. Um, you know, but you have to realize like the classic symptoms are just you getting into this state for absolutely no reason. It just happens out of nowhere. Um, and an uncontrollable fear. And it feels so much more than that, guys. I know it does. And I know it feels like such a physical thing. And you think you're either having a stroke or a heart attack or this or that. And if you have to go to the hospital, fucking go. Okay. Just go because they have to treat you. Um, I'm sorry for those of you that don't have health insurance because I know it can be really expensive. Try to go into urgent care. It's a little bit less expensive if one is open. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you have to get that reassurance, then go and get it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And then enough times you'll learn, okay, this happened to me last time. I went to the doctor. He told me I was fine and I'm just having a panic attack and so I can handle this now. And I haven't gone to the hospital for a panic attack in probably like a year and a half. So I'm really proud of myself. Even though for my husband, every time it happens, he's like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, he's so nice about it. Sorry, I have allergies. He's so nice about it. But, um, you know, some people just don't get it and they won't get it. And that's fine. It's not for them to get. Okay. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. I really would not. It would be a horrible experience and they would probably cower and cry in a corner um you know and that's fine you just have to understand that some people aren't going to understand but surround yourself with people that do and people that love you unconditionally because that's all you need are those people you don't need the people that are going to judge you you don't need the people that are going to be rude to you you don't need the people who aren't compassionate you don't need those kind of people in your life okay you need people that understand people that you can talk to people that you can relate to you know um some and some people are going to be mean about it and I'm prepared for that. I have people write to me all the time that are like, fuck you, bitch. You have a ton of money and you're like married to a successful guy and like you have everything you need. Why do you have anxiety? Well, I don't fucking know, Bill. To be honest, I don't because I shouldn't. I do have everything in the fucking world and I still have it. So if you can figure it out, let me know. Like, honestly, it'd be great. Um, the new thing I'm trying today is a beta blocker. I've never tried one of those. Or I think I have a really long time ago when I would do stand up, but I only took it during the day and it made me really tired. Um, a little freaked out cause I do hate when my heart beats too slow too. It's like my heart has to be at the perfect rhythm. It's just, it has to be just like, right, like 70, 80 beats per minute. Once it goes over a hundred, I'm fucked. And once it goes below 60, I'm, I get really scared. So it's, I remember taking a beta blocker back in like 2010 and I remember it making my heartbeat super slow. It was like 54 beats a minute and I was like, this is not good. Um, and it made me really sleepy, but I'm going to give it a try. I got a lower dose. I'm going to try to take it before I go to bed. Make sure to take with food. Um, I'm going to try that tonight. I'll let you guys know how it goes. If anyone cares, you can write to me or I'll share. If you ask me, I'll tell you how it went. Um, it takes about two weeks for a beta blocker to kick in for anxiety. For a lot of people, they don't even feel anything from a beta blocker, which is makes them pretty great um, for treating anxiety and panic disorder. And a lot of artists actually use them for performing. 
uh, interestingly enough. A lot of people use them before they go on stage or whatever, just so your heart rate doesn't start beating out of your chest. Um, so that's what I'm going to try tonight. I'm super excited to try something new. I'm always, I always try things. I'm not a person that just sits there and goes like, oh, what was me? Like, I'm like, fuck it, let's try something. Um, if I don't like the way it feels, then bye, we'll try something else. And don't anyone, don't ever let anyone make you feel pressured. I know there's a lot of people that, um, you know, especially when I was kind of trying different antidepressants, I can always tell right away within a couple of days if an antidepressant's working for me or not. And it's really frustrating when you have a psychiatrist or a psychologist and they're like, oh, you need to stay on it for two weeks for it to do anything. Yeah, fucking duh. But if it's making me super sick in three days and I don't want to take it anymore, that's my right. And I'm not going to. And don't make me feel bad about it, honestly. Because I've had people say like, oh, this is the best antidepressant for this or that. Like everyone was swearing by Lexapro. Like, oh, it's the best thing I've ever tried. And I took it for a day and I didn't a couple of days and I couldn't sleep for like every single night of those days and I just got even sicker and sicker and I felt fucking crazy. So some stuff's going to work for you and some stuff's not and some stuff's going to work for other people and it's not going to work for you and no one is the same and don't make people feel like, oh, they didn't try their best or whatever. Like everyone is doing their fucking best, okay? We're doing the best that we can. If something doesn't make you feel good, you're not going to want to fucking take it again. No one's going to go, oh yeah, let's, let me take that thing that makes me feel like shit. Sounds good supposed to work in fucking three months and then you're addicted to it and it still makes you feel like shit and then you got to wean off of it because your body's already addicted to it and uh, no thanks no thanks no fucking thanks like i'm not gonna do that um so listen to yourself okay listen to your body is what i mean um listen to your body if your body's telling you something's not right for you probably listen to it okay that being said, I know a lot of people are scared of trying things to help them. Don't be scared to try it. Try it, okay? If you're working with a medical professional, a doctor, and they want you to try something to help you, and they're saying it's safe for you, try it. And if you hate it, then stop. And if you don't, then you'll be okay. Like, the thing with me was, is like, tried the Lexapro, tried the Wellbutrin. I didn't have to take them very long before I realized I didn't like them. Tried Pristique, didn't like that. Uh, tried a bevy of others, didn't like them. The Prozac, I was like, oh, this is actually totally okay and doesn't make me feel sick or weird or fucking crazy or whatever. And then later it turned into like a, a month, a couple months later, I got the thing where I think it was just like too much serotonin or something because I was taking it, I had to take it with the effects but still, I don't know what, it, what the fuck happened anyway, it got weird. Just don't let people make people, don't let people make you feel bad for listening to your own body. You know what's best for you at the end of the day. No, nobody's going to know you the way you know you. Okay. They know what, you know what you makes you feel good. You know what makes you doesn't feel, don't feel good. I don't know. I just had a stroke. Um, I just wanted to talk about all this and I didn't want to get super emotional about it because honestly, I'm so numb at this point from having so much from having so many panic attacks and, and surviving them. I'm just getting so emotional. I know that's why you guys wonder. I talk about death and dying, and I'm always having people on my podcast, mediums, and I'm going to have a, a, a mortician on and everything because I want to know so much about it because I feel like I'm about to die all the time. That's why I'm always learning about ghosts and spirits because I'm like, I want to know because I feel like I'm so close to it, even though I'm not. It's just part of my obsession with health and... um you know, my paranoia and that kind of thing. 
But, um, and I know a lot of people are like me. So that's why I really hope that whoever's listening to this podcast, that you take comfort in the fact that you're not alone. You know, if you're constantly going to the doctor and getting things checked out, or if you own a blood pressure cuff, or if you have a cardiac app EKG thing, or if you, you know, check on your Apple watch, your heart rate all the time and things like that. Like you're not alone. There are so many people like you. You're not fucking weird. You're not a psycho. You're not crazy. You're just you. And that's fine. And you have to do what you have to do to make you feel comfortable. I th- I find often that a lot of people that don't worry about any of this stuff are just like, I don't know. I mean, they're very blessed. I will say that. But also, like, I think that people that have these sort of worries and these sort of obsessions are really intelligent. And I think that they, we think about things way too much. We think about life way too much. We overanalyze everything. And in some aspects, that's great because it makes you more intelligent. It makes you, you know, open to broader conversations and you learn more things and things like that. But I also think it really hinders us in some ways because we are so dialed in on everything that everything becomes overwhelming at times. And I think that a lot of that has to do with just thinking too much. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss. I will say that. I will say that I find that people that are not very intelligent are definitely a lot happier, kind of interestingly enough. Um, and I'm so jealous of that. I actually went to a doctor one time and asked him if I could get a lobotomy. I was like, can I get like a medium lobotomy where I'm not like drooling out of the side of my mouth, but like where I'm also not able to think so coherently where I'm analyzing every aspect of my life. And he was like, no, we don't do that. (laughs) Back in the day, they probably would, I would already had it done. I would be on this podcast just like, (sighs) literally. Um, Yeah. They used to just do that for everybody back in the day. If your kid was hyper, if you know, your woman was too horny or whatever, they would just needle up the nose. Thank God we're a bit more humane. Um, oh, and also TMS. TMS is so great. I can't wait till uh, TMS has been approved by uh, insurance companies for treatment of depression, but you have to try several different antidepressants before they allow insurance to cover your TMS treatment for depression. But if you're ever interested in getting treatment for your severe depression or anxiety, the anxiety protocol is not covered by insurance at all yet. And it's pretty expensive. It's like a thousand dollars a pop. But I did do the anxiety one, but um, the depression treatment, and I didn't do the anxiety one long enough because it was so expensive. It's literally $1,000 a session. I was just like, ah, that's a lot of money. Um, So I did it a lot, but then I, and I didn't have a panic attack for like a half a year. And then, and I was able to get down on my antidepressant. And now it's kind of like, well, if I want to spend like a bunch of money, I guess I should go get it done. But um, basically what it is is the, ma- the magnets uh, stimulate your brain and there hasn't been anything negative that's happened from it. I mean, it hasn't been around forever, so who knows in, what, in 10 years if I start, you know, you're able to walk up to me and like stick a magnet to my head, who knows, um, or people develop tumors or cancer or whatever, hopefully not. But um, so far, so good. So far, so good. And um, people are seeing great results with it. If you are interested looking it up um check it out tms transcranial magnetic stimulation Uh, i know a lot of people have had not you know have had a hard time with antidepressants especially people that are hypersensitive like myself um where i also have the mthfr gene mutation um which is really really shitty it means you're 
you don't um, process L-methylfolate correctly. Um, and so methylfolate is something that your body needs for all of its cognitive abilities um, to sort of run correctly. And I, I have a gene mutation which doesn't allow me to do that. And actually I should be taking um, methylated vitamins and not just regular vitamins because my body doesn't absorb regular vitamins. And I've gotten some methylated vitamins, but um, that's another, I th- all these things attribute to why I have this anxiety disorder. But you can get a test done with your psychiatrist called a gene site test. And I believe if you don't go through insurance, it's about $300. And what that gene site test will tell you is what antidepressants are most um, uh, fitting for you and your uh, body chemistry and which ones aren't. And it will also tell you if you have the MTHFR gene mutation, which means you don't produce um, methylfolate. Uh, which sucks and it makes things really hard. So there's so many things that I hope you took from this podcast or that you learn and uh, can help yourself and also just don't feel fucking bad. That's the thing I just wanted to come on here and say more than anything. This was a worse first last night. I'm shaken up today. My chest actually feels like someone opened my chest up and took my heart and just squeezed it like one of those shitty stress balls and just punched it and fucking you know, flicked it. Like my heart is sore today from last night. And I, but you know what I did today? I, even though I had a panic attack and whenever I have a panic attack, I don't want to do anything the next day. I'm just kind of let myself rest, which you should do, but I'm always trying to be stronger. I forced myself to get dressed, get up, get out of bed. And I went and got my prescription filled for that beta blocker myself. I drove to Petco to get the dogs their food and the birds, their food. And I did it by myself, even though I was like, I could have another panic attack. And I was thinking it the whole time because once you have one, it sort of sets you up for like this sequential series of panic attacks, unfortunately. But I told myself, you know what? If you do, fuck you and fuck the panic attack and go ahead, fucking crash. Who cares? I mean, obviously I don't hurt anybody, but I did the tough talk to myself today. And I was like, listen, bitch, get in the fucking car, drive, Go get what you need to get and get it the fuck done, okay? Don't let this win. And that's what you have to do sometimes. You have to really force yourself. So as much as I didn't want to do any of that today and I wanted to just stay at my my safe haven, my home, my home base, I forced myself up out of bed. I forced myself to get dressed. I forced myself to eat something. I forced myself to get in my car and drive. And this isn't somewhere that's right down the street. I had to drive about 15 minutes to go to Petco and then go in Petco by myself. Go get, like, I don't know anybody in Petco. I could have had another panic attack right there and wouldn't have anyone to help me. But guess what? I did it. And you know what? If I did have a fucking panic attack, there would be someone there to help me. Someone who works at Petco would have helped me. You're never alone, okay? That's one of the things that's really scary is that people feel alone with panic disorder, and you're not alone. I mean, unless you're on an island all by yourself, you're not alone, okay? There will always be people. There will always be, as much as there's a lot of terrible people in the world, there will always be someone kind who will help you. There will always be someone there to help you, always. No matter where you are in public, someone will come help you. People for the most part, I like to think still have good hearts. And, you know, if you saw, just think if you saw someone struggling and freaking out, you would try to help them. So, or at least I would hope you would. <laughs> you would. I would. Um, and also another thing I read, another quote that I read the other day that really means a lot to me and really resonated with me is that nothing is ever as bad as it as you work it up to be in your head. Nothing ever ends up being that bad, does it? 
I mean, the panic attack was that bad, but I wasn't even thinking about the panic attack. It just happened. But what I was imagining during the panic attack didn't happen. I was imagining during the panic attack that my heart was going to explode and I was going to be dead and that was going to be it and I was going to die and I was never going to get to continue my beautiful life with my husband and hug my dogs and all that and I got really sad and that those are all the thoughts that I have when I'm having a panic attack but here I am today the next day thank the lord um I'm here and I'm doing this podcast and I'm here talking to you guys about it hopefully making you feel a little bit less alone in this um and hopefully in the comments below on YouTube, if anyone's struggling, maybe you guys can comfort each other here too. Like I want this to be a safe space for people. I want people to reach out to each other and, you know, know that they're not fucked up, you know? I mean, we're fucked up, but we're not like fucked up. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're fucked up, but we're still lovable. We're still good people. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a broken person. It doesn't make you a bad, it doesn't make there anything wrong with you. It's just happens to be the cards that you're dealt. And we do our best with our hand, don't we? We have to. We have to do our best. So, um, I don't know, anyone that's listening to this, uh, share it with someone that you want to know about panic attacks, panic disorder, and anyone that, you know, is trying to help someone with it. The best thing I can say is, you know, when someone's having a panic attack and freaking out, don't say, calm down, or just relax or like, don't keep asking the questions. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Cause they are not going to be able to talk to you. The best thing that you can do is sit with them, hug them if they want to be hugged. Um, comfort them, be loving, meet them with love. You will never go wrong meeting someone with love. Okay. Coming from love. You will never go wrong. You know, do unto others as you wish others would do unto you. Try to be a genuine, kind, loving person to someone that's going through a hard time. And I know you may not understand it and it may be frustrating for people that are partners of people that have this problem. I know it's hard to watch and it's frustrating and sometimes you're like, well, why is this person freaking out? They have nothing to freak out about and it doesn't make sense to you. But you have to step outside yourself and put yourself in someone else's shoes for a minute and kind of just go, okay, well, I may not understand it, but it is very real to them and their feelings are very valid, okay? Whether they make sense to me or not, their feelings are valid and you need to understand that. And that's not your choice of whether it, if it makes sense to you or not. To them, it's very real. You know, no one chooses this. No one decides like, oh, this is going to be good for our relationship. Let me have a fucking freak out. No one does that. No one wants that. You know, no one, no one's choosing that. So um, just do your best if you're in a relationship with someone who's dealing with mental health issues. Just do your best to be comforting. You know, don't try to fix people. Um, that's not your job. Let people work on themselves. And uh, for those of you that are struggling with this, hopefully you continue to work on yourself and look for answers. And there's lots of things. There's a great book called Dare by Barry McDonough that has helped me greatly, and I need to start listening to it again. I downloaded the audiobook. It's called Dare, D-A-R-E, by Barry McDonough. And he's a, he struggles with panic attacks and panic disorder, and it's a great 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 book if you have a long drive in a car or if you're having anxiety driving you should put it on and drive it'll really help you get over that and really help you get through that it really helped me and um yeah and if you don't understand 
people that are struggling with mental illness and do yourself a favor, just like you would get educated on anything else you didn't understand. Try to get educated on it so you can see where they're coming from and it'll better equip you for the situation to help them. So with that said, I love you guys and thank you for all being there and supporting me and um, not judging me or judging me, whatever you want. You can judge me. That's fine. Um, thank you for those of you that are here and are, you know, struggling. I'm sending you a big virtual hug and knowing that you are not alone in this. You are never alone in this. Um, you're not weak. You're not, you're not a bad person. You're not a broken person. Okay. You're a human just as much as anyone else is. And, and it'll all be okay one day, no matter what it will. I genuinely believe, genuinely believe that one day, no matter what, we will have answers to everything we need and it will be okay. And you're not going to suffer forever. Nothing lasts forever, okay? Not even the good stuff. Not the bad stuff, not the good stuff, nothing. So just find some sort of restitution in that fact. And uh, I'm signing off. Take care of yourselves, okay? Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.